Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the DealQuest podcast. Let's get started. DealQuest listeners and viewers, welcome to the first solo cast of 2022. In fact, it's the first episode of uh, DealQuest in 2022. And I am recording this at the very end of the year, December here. It's going to come out first week of January. And um, this may be a little surprising what I want to talk about, but... I think it's I think it's important and sort of the if you look at the opposite of what I'm saying it it'll give you um, some insight into what it takes to be a deal maker which is something that we talk about on this podcast in various ways right you know the mindset the stories of people you you know you get this feeling of of who is successful at it and how they do it and and whatever and uh, so what I want to talk about in this episode is actually why you should not be a deal maker right now. That may seem crazy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm right. Deal quest guy. I'm a deal lawyer. I am. I train people in negotiating and deal making. I'm about to launch some masterminds for high end deal makers. And so, why is Corey Cupford talking to you about why you should not be a deal maker? Um, well, I mean, do I really believe that you should not be a deal maker? Of course not. But in general, because I think the opportunities are so great. Um, but for certain particular people, no, maybe you should not be a deal maker. And the reason why this topic came to mind is, frankly, we're at the end of the year here. You know, I'll just be, I'll be authentic and straight. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm a little bit under the weather. Uh, you know, we've got still, I mean, it's, it is the 28th of December that I'm recording this, and we still have a lot to do before the 31st. Why? Because we have a lot of year-end deals closing. So I, I want to have an honest conversation about this topic so that you know what you're getting into if you really, you know, start to take on deals. And I'm also going to talk about how you actually, I, I rarely am in this place, um, but it's almost inevitable. I think no matter how you know good you are at this stuff, that just in the nature of deals, there'll be times when you get to this space where you have so much going on, where you have to push through where it just takes, you know, sort of sucking it up and getting it done. Um, so I want to talk about that in some detail. Um, I will do my, you know, the last couple of years, I've, I've done a year-end uh, review of deals and, you know, and, and uh, maybe a look forward. So I think the next solo cast, uh, I will, um, I don't know that I'll, I'll see whether I'll go of any specific deals as I've done sometimes in the past, but I do want to recap sort of 2021 in general, at least, and then talk about what I see for 2022. That'll be the next solo cast, which will come out, you know, actually, uh, you know, more in, in, in several weeks, we do it every four. So we'll have um, uh, January to sort of digest um, the 2021 year and look at some trends for 2022. And then, um, you know, it'll so it'll probably come out uh, the very late January, early February. Uh, the next solo cast, we'll do sort of that. Um, but again, here I want to talk about why you should not be a dealmaker. 
Um, so what are some of the things that, uh, you know, that are about deals that could be challenging that may not align, you know, with, with who you are? Well, you know, the nature of deals, especially if you do doing more than one, and even sometimes when you're doing one, if it happens to be your deal, they could be all engrossing, you know, all encompassing. They could take a lot of uh, time and effort and focus. And sometimes, I mean, not for me, because I'm trained in not getting emotionally involved, attached and, you know, and that kind of stuff. But, you know, and it's something I talk about in my negotiating book and some of the trainings. And if you've listened to any of my stuff, you know, that I encourage you not to get emotionally attached to things, but let's be real. You know, some folks, especially if it's your own deal that you're doing and it's important to you and significant, maybe you're selling your company or doing an acquisition or doing a key distribution or licensing deal or whatever, something that'll move the needle a lot, you know, and, and especially if you've never done it before and uh, depending upon your personality, depending on your experience, depending upon uh, how important it is, the, the amount of internal work you've done, um, you know, it could be an emotional challenge for you um, dealing with it. And then, you know, I know people who have lost sleep, you know, over deals. I know people who have, you know, even gotten, you know, themselves physically, you know, psychologically, you know, uh, challenged or physically ill. And sometimes it just takes something, right? There's a lot of work involved in the due diligence and the planning and the negotiating and the training and even the closing of the deals. I mean, we've got several deals closing right now and just the process of creating, uh, the, you know, that my associates are working on now with some clients on creating all the disclosure schedules, right? You know, in, in a, um, uh, for example, in an asset purchase deal, uh, if you are either side, but mainly if you are the seller, um, you have a lot of representations and warranties you're making, all these things that the buyer wants to make sure are okay, right? You know, that they want to know, they want to see all your contracts, they want to know any issues that are with employees, they want to know, uh, you know, um, uh, regulatory, uh, legal uh, lawsuits, anything that that's come up, they want representation on taxes, you know, and there's a series of schedules that you provide that provide information or exceptions to some of the representations. And it's often something that gets done later in the deal time. And, and, and you know, sometimes people can be fatigued on where the deal's at. And of course, they want to get it done, especially when you're at the end of the year. But it's such a crucial part of the process because if you don't properly do your disclosure schedules and you don't have the information on there, then you're much higher um, risk of being in breach of representation and warranty, which could trigger your indemnity obligations if something comes up later, uh, you know, or disputes or things like that. So I'm not going to go too far down that road, but the reason I bring it up is that at a point where the deal seems closer and closer, and maybe you can see the finish line, you know, there's this, that's just an example of this body of work that is a distraction from your core business that you have to focus on and that, you know, you really need to get right. Now, listen, we as attorneys anticipate that stuff. We really help our clients through it. We make it a lot easier in a lot of ways, you know, but it takes a commitment. You know, my, uh, looking at it from our point of view, my whole team is frankly stretched right now. And I don't mean stretched in a way that uh, we're not getting stuff done, but, you know, we are all coming into the end of this year you know, as I've talked about in the past, is it's it's a hot deal year. I mean, I'll talk about this more in the next episode. And we had many, many deals that were on track to close uh, just because of the economy, just because the way it is, and also because of the risk of capital gains rates going up. Now, it looks unlikely that's going to happen now. But once the deals get on track for a particular closing timing, you know, they, they, they normally will, uh, you know, want to stay on that track because there's plans and expectations and 
operations, things and integration and other things that have been um, set forth in a project plan that, you know, are now sort of set uh, for December 31 closings. Although it's not absolutely crucial, you can allocate. It's a very nice clean deal when you close at the end of a year uh, for tax purposes, uh, often and things like that. So the bottom line is we have a lot of, you know, a lot of deals closing. So working some extra chunk of extra hours, my people are all pushing it. You know, I have uh, certain off council relationships that I bring in as needed. Uh, you know, we've got all of those working and we're cranking away. Why do I bring that out of the context of maybe you don't want to be a deal maker? Well, in large part, my team and staffing and planning and just our experience and skill and expertise and, you know, and, and having uh, been, been through this before, being able to anticipate stuff. For the most part, we avoid being in these crunches, right? I'm not saying it doesn't come up when we go to Oracle or to get a deal close, whatever. But, you know, at the level we're at now, we can usually avoid it. But, you know, being in the deal world, you can never avoid it 100%. I think no matter how much planning that you do, sometimes you just have to push through. Sometimes you have to, you know, put it on the line. You know, and, and like I said, listen, right now, nothing serious. Took my COVID test, it's negative, but, you know, I got a bad cold. Um, definitely give you some rest, some sleep. Looking forward to that happening this holiday, uh, this holiday weekend. You know, our December 31st deals are all slated to hopefully sign by December 30th, uh, which is Thursday, um, with a December 31 effective date. Um, I'm hoping we don't have to go into Christmas Eve, but you know what? If we do, we do. And that's what's going to happen because we got to get the work done and we will uh, for clients and we'll get the deals closed. And listen, the clients, you know, it's a little different for the clients, but they have this their own version of it and, and the parties on the other side. So, you know, one reason you may not want to be a deal maker is that from time to time, you know, it's you're going to have to suck it up and, <laughs> and do what you need to do. Right. From time to time, it's it can be a challenge. It can be all encompassing. And frankly, if you haven't done it a lot in the beginning, it could be even more so like that uh, until you build the right resources and internal team and external team and the right systems and processes. And, you know, that's why you want to work with people, whether it's lawyers or investment bankers or accountants or consultants, you know, who are experienced in this because they'll um, reduce that learning curve for you. But, you know, uh, it's more likely in the beginning that there'll be some scrambling as you learn in the way to go. And, and then hopefully you build all those resources and teams and this becomes a very rare situation. But even, you know, the most um, staffed, the most experienced, the most resourced, the most, you know, uh, people used to do multiple deals, we hit these situations every once in a while, right? Whether it's end of the year, uh, certainly when we have tax law changes, maybe there's a particular industry or market that's um, particularly hot, and, you know, timing is important. So that's point one. Sometimes it's going to be all-encompassing. Sometimes you, you're going to have to push through. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. The second reason you may not want to be a deal maker is no matter what we do, no matter how good you are at doing deals, and no matter how much you um, do to mitigate risk, which is a lot of ways you can do that, and you can definitely significantly increase the chances of a deal going well. 
by doing the right due diligence, having the right team in place, understanding how to get deals done, um, getting out of a lot of the things I've talked about in the past in terms of the triggers on why you do bad deals, right? Ego, scarcity, uh, desperation, things like that. Um, but if you speak to any highly successful deal maker, they have deals that don't work. They have deals that blow up. They have deals that don't perform the way they thought they would. They have deals that they put a lot of time into and they and they die, right? You know, either before closing or they go wrong pretty quickly after closing. That's the nature of doing deals. It's the nature of, you know, listen, it's like if you're an entrepreneur, you take other risks, right? And you know that's part of the game. Um, well, there are additional risks to deal making. And if you are not uh, a risk taker at a certain level, right? You know, there's a range, right? And that may affect the types of deals you do, how many you do, how aggressive you are, you know, in terms of how quickly you do deals. Um, so you can moderate that speed and the, and the number of deals and the level of due diligence you do. But inherently, there's, a, there's risk in doing deals, right? I think there's risk in anything that has upside, right? Whether it's in passively investing in the stock market or, you know, it's, it's doing your own deals or it's starting a new company or, you know, expanding your, you know, investing in sales on the organic growth side, you know, that's the deal. So if you can't live with a higher level of risk, then, you know, a, a lot of them people, a lot of people who may, you know, uh, not be able to do that, right? Um, then you shouldn't be a deal maker. Now, most people decide to be deal makers or entrepreneurs or high level executives. They are used to taking certain types of risk in various scenarios because of the nature of their position at the company or the nature of being an entrepreneur. So this is not a new conversation for them. It's just applying it to a new area. So, but, you know, but it's interesting to me. Like, I think some folks, especially I would say the folks that are more situational entrepreneurs, right? As opposed to just these born entrepreneurs, you know, just because you're an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you are, have a high tolerance for risk. And, and that's no judgment, by the way. And there are some unbelievably successful situational entrepreneurs. But what I'm saying is, the fact that they're entrepreneurs, they may still have a risk tolerance. You know, in fact, I have a deal going on right now where we're structuring around the fact that the buyers are would like to do the deal, but but they are very risk averse, right? So they're looking for certain types of protections and guarantees and whatever that could adversely impact my client. And we're balancing that negotiation and structuring in a way that works for my client, but also tries to get these folks to be willing to do the deal, but in a way where they're not, let's say, overplaying you know, uh, their need for protection uh, in a way that would significantly hurt my client, right? But it's possible. I, I think in this case, we'll, we will get that deal done. But you know, it's possible in that scenario that somebody's um, risk tolerance or, or lack thereof at a certain level can adversely affect getting a deal done. And then on a personal level, listen, if you're going to be doing deals and you're not going to be sleeping at night or it's going to affect your health or whatever, you may not want to do it, right? It's just, it may not be, may not be worth it. So that's number two. You know, the, the other thing I would say about, um, about, you know, deals and why you may not be a, a deal maker, despite the fact that I say that every single company, no matter what industry you're in, no matter what size you are, no matter what level of capital you have, you heard me say this repeatedly before, that there's a deal you can do, right? That will help you grow your business. It doesn't mean you have to do that. Listen, maybe you are very, very happy with your business as it is. Maybe you are very successful and growing significantly through just organic means. Now, I think there's vulnerability in that model, right? That expanding and also having a deal growth strategy helps with. 
because you're not only relying upon organic growth, right? And having these multiple ways that you grow, um, sort of like having a diversified stock portfolio, you know, de-risk your company. But you don't have to do it. Maybe it's gonna, maybe you shouldn't be a deal maker because it's gonna be a distraction. Maybe, maybe you are just so good at marketing and sales or attracting talent that will, you know, that that, that, that can uh, create organic growth. Uh, that actually doing deals becomes a distraction to what your biggest gift is, a superpower or a highest and best use that you've heard me talk about. You know, so, so maybe it's actually a mistake for you to go do deals because you're so good at that other thing. Now, I can make arguments on how you could still, you do that and then you hire certain key people who also know how to do deals and you can do both. Um, but, you know, it's easy for me to say, listen, I've, I've had many plans in my various businesses over the years where it would be great to do these five things, but I only have capacity to do two of them or these 20 things, but I only have capacity to do eight of them or whatever it is. Right. And you make choices. So um, another reason you, you know, maybe shouldn't be a deal maker is uh, that it's a that you are doing so well in the things that you actually know already and are good at. Um, that maybe, you know, pulling away from that could be detrimental. So, you know, you want to consider that. Again, I think there's uh, a lot of reasons. And, and, you know, first of all, you have many, many companies and many entrepreneurs that are not growing at the pace they want. Or, and by the way, that can mean they're shrinking. That can mean they're flat. That can mean actually they're growing decently, but they want to grow at a, at a quicker pace. And also not just for growth, but for certain strategic reasons there may be, you know, maybe it's gaining talent. We've talked about this, right? Maybe it's geographical expansion. Maybe it's um, bringing in certain key um, uh, complementary products or services or, um, you know, uh, ways to expand your offering to create more client loyalty. You know, there's a lot of reasons to do deal that do deals that aren't triggered directly just to grow in size or grow in revenue or grow in profits, although usually they'll have that effect, but it may be for other reasons. Sometimes it's for preservation reasons. Maybe your competitors are have a more expanded offering and, and you are starting to, you know, maybe uh, you see the risk at least of losing, you know, on the competitive uh, landscape and you want to, you know, expand your offerings. So, you know, there are all good reasons to do that. But again, but it's, it's not a default thing you have to do. Maybe you're crushing it. Maybe you're growing modestly, but you're very happy with that. Uh, you know, maybe you've really considered the uh, risks of um, not diversifying your, your growth strategies. And you know what? You've come to the conclusion you're fine. You think you'll be good. You know, maybe you're later in your um, um, entrepreneurial or, or executive life, right? And you know what? You understand that there's some risk, but you're fine already economically, or, you know, you figure you got five or 10 years left and, you know, you'll do, you'll, you'll do fine. And, you know, you'd rather travel the world or play golf or be with the family or the grandkids or, you know, whatever it is, right. Those are all legitimate choices. Nobody has to do anything. Nobody has to be a deal maker. I'm a big proponent of it, as you know, but I'm also a bigger proponent of self-knowledge, right. I'm a bigger proponent of what I talk about all the time is, you know, starting with a why of getting clarity on exactly what you want and what you don't want, whether that's in an individual negotiation or whether that's in your life. You know, the CPR tool, Context, Purpose, and Results, that takes up two chapters of the authentic, my authentic negotiating book, and that I've talked about on this podcast. The negotiating, as I mentioned, is a great tool that you can do a CPR for your entire life and help get clear on what you want and what you don't want. want you know, um, when I start to launch my, my dealmaker retreats, and I've done this on an individual basis, we're going to be starting out with, with visioning, right? To get clear, because 
again, you know, we want to hold deals in the context of what we want to achieve in, in our life, right? For our companies. I always talk about even just, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, why do we start a business? Let's not be driven by these outside factors and expectations and, you know, in the entrepreneurial ecosystem, right? We should be creating businesses to create the lives we want. Well, we should be doing deals to create the lives we want. And maybe that life actually doesn't include deals. So that's acceptable as well. Listen, there are a number of reasons why you may not be a deal maker. And that's not a judgment. That's not a slight. That's not, you know, or you, maybe a better way to say it, you know, uh, is, is that why you, maybe it's not right for you to do deals. On the flip side, some of the things I talked about will tell you what it takes to be a deal maker, right? Um, you know, in summary, listen, sometimes you got to push through. Sometimes it's going to affect other parts of your life. Sometimes it's going to be a challenge to your you know, energy, focus, health, and everything else you have going on, you can significantly minimize that by building the right processes, team, ex- you know, experience, that kind of stuff. So it rarely happens, which is true with me. But again, at this moment, we're pushing hard. It may, you know, uh, the, the lesson about risk, well, listen, really do that self-evaluation. If you identify and understand that you're willing to take risks, that you can't be successful in business without risk, you're willing to apply that understanding to deals, great. That's part of being a deal maker. And finally, you know, if you look and you want to diversify the ways that you can grow, you do want to have different options on on the expansion. You're willing to, um, you know, to to uh, uh, to do that. You understand that either you can expand that and it is part of your highest and best use, or that you can hire you know, the right team, right, or or your partners or your key employees, your management team can, you know, and your outside advisors can really help you do that. Well, okay, that that helps make you a deal maker as well. So, I think the beginning of 2022, like the beginning of any any year, you know, is a great time to sort of do that self reflection, look at yourself, say, hey, is 2022 the the year that I want to start doing deals? That I want to do more deals? That I want to do bigger deals? That I want to expand? You know, am I a deal maker in that regard? Do I want to be a deal maker today in this in this time in 2022? Right. I mean, like, you know, when I say I'm a deal maker, I don't, it's not binary, right? There are not X number of people with deal makers, next number of people who will never be, right? There are people who are natural deal makers. There are people who will never be, but then there are people who, again, like situ- situational entrepreneurs are situational deal makers or become deal makers because the time is right, because their interest is right, because an opportunity shows up, because they've solidified other parts of their company already, and because their mindset shifts, because they learn something, because they meet some key people that can help them. So, you know, you can evolve, but I think it's a great time beginning to look at some of these these things I've talked about, see where you fit, right? Without judgment, it's perfect, right? As long as you're doing it from a place of self-awareness that you either do deals or not do deals this year. I think it's a huge opportunity to do deals if it aligns and if it is um, calling you, right? And if so, uh, then, hey, continue to listen to this podcast. Uh, Let us know if we can help you. And if this is not your, your year to do deals, well, then, hey, focus on what it is you're here to do. Uh, maybe it's, you know, to grow your business organically. Maybe it's to take more time off, be with the family. Maybe it's to get yelled straight out. Um, but in any case, this is a great time to, to make those decisions, to take a look and to uh, make a clear commitment one way or the other. And if the, the commitment is to do deals or more deals or bigger deals, okay, then look at what you need to get in place to be in a position to be a successful deal maker. You know, what mindset work do you need to do? What resources do you have to get in place internally, externally? What types of deals do you want to do? And again, if we can help you in any way, let us know. 
I am wishing you a phenomenal start to 2022, whichever way you decide to go. And, um, you know, I wish you success in, in your business, in, in your life. And all of those things should go into the decision-making on whether deal-making is going to be a part of 2022 for you. Until next time, Corey Kupfer. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.